for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, for which it is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after, the, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you, Grace. Well done. Well, it's great to have so many young people with us tonight. Uh, we've got to think about uh, what's the time. Now, it's not the game, okay? So I'm not going to be the wolf, but we are going to think about what's the time. And the answer is going to be in three words. So if you remember nothing else from this evening and from this message, I think you'll remember these three words and you'll be able to take them home and talk with mum and dad or granddad, my grandma, whoever it is that's brought you about these three words. It's not, Mr. Wolf, what's the time? I'm going to seek to answer the answer that the Bible gives us to that question, what's the time? Well, it was 35 years ago that the, to give it its full name, the Royal Borough of Kingston-upon-Thames Schools Work Trust. I mean, what were we thinking about giving it that name? But it was 35 years ago that uh, it came into being. The idea, 13 churches in this borough gathered together to wanted to provide a Christian voice into the schools of the borough. Especially to those children and young people who otherwise would never hear anything of the Christian message of the gospel. At the same time, we could encourage Christian teachers in their workplace. Now, back in 1988, 35 years ago, nobody could have foreseen or imagined the seismic cultural and religious changes that would occur in the coming four decades. New words, new issues found their way into our vocabulary. Things like transgender, iGen, fake news, sexting, all these and many more besides, totally new concepts, ideas, invading and being part of the culture. So in a relatively short period of time, in the lifetime of many of us here, Britain has undergone an unprecedented, bewildering change in just about every area of life, from technology through to travel, from science to sexuality, from warfare through to the workplace. Change has been unrelenting. And it's provided a particular challenge to the Christian church and to Christians seeking to hold on to the apostolic gospel in an increasingly hostile environment. And you'll be very aware of that today. 
So how are we to respond to the age and the generation that we find ourselves in? Do we retreat into an evangelical ghetto as the last bastion of the truth, convincing ourselves that we just hang on and just button down and that's it? Do we go to the other extreme and say, well, let's just water the message down. Let's compromise in some areas so that we can be more acceptable to the world around us. How do we respond? Well, to do that, we have to understand what the time is. And the answer is neither of those two positions, of course. Because biblically, in the great sweep of the Bible story and the unfolding of history itself, we know the answer to the time. And it's here in that passage that Grace read to us. It's in three small words that we often rehearse as we come around the Lord's table. The Bible would have us remember that the time is until he comes. So whether we're children or adults, I hope we can remember those three words as we go our homeward way tonight. What's the time? What's the age? What's the era that we're in? It's until he comes. In these uh, famous words here in 1 Corinthians 11, remember the Lord's death until he comes. Let's just think of those three words for a minute. Firstly, it's the time of until. Henry Ford is reported as saying that history is bunkum. It's rubbish, it's bunkum. The past has nothing to teach us. The future is equally meaningless, purposeless. The only logical response is that to use a Bible phrase, to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The Bible isn't actually advocating that, but it's reflecting the culture that we're in. But as our society is sadly discovering, and you'd be all too aware of this, that an increasing philosophy of despair and hopelessness leads ultimately to self-destructiveness and even suicide. We live in a terrible age of unprecedented suicides amongst young people, especially young men in our culture. The philosophy that's gained a foothold through secular humanism is devoid of purposeless, of purpose and is a wicked philosophy. And the problem is that the philosophy of secularism ignores both the reason and reality. It ignores the reason that there is a creator and therefore a purpose and meaning to life. It ignores reality because inside every human being, impressed on our soul, as the Bible has put it, is an awareness of eternity. God has planted it there. We know that we are more than here just for a small lifetime. History is not bunkum. There's a God of origin. There's a God of destiny. There's an alpha, an omega. There's a beginning, there's an end. There's a direction, there's a sense of movement in history. And it's captured in that little word, until. We live in the until. 
History is the story of God's unfolding salvation plan. The until is planted in all the major areas of life. It's planted in the very world, the physical world we live in. It's planted in creation itself. We live, don't we, in a beautiful, incredible world. Some later will be watching the latest uh, contribution from Mr. Attenborough. What a fantastic world we live in. So many, much of it unseen to us because it's buried in the ocean. But we live in a world of symmetry and beauty and complexity and subtlety. Yet alongside the beauty, there is, of course, the ugly face of a world that's physically living with the problems of earthquakes and tsunamis and cyclones and hurricanes. The place we live in is not as it should be. As Romans 8 puts it, it's waiting. The whole creation is waiting in eager expectation. And as it waits, it groans. The world we live in is the world of the until. And the very creation is groaning. Until. Until. It's there in human history. Great kingdoms, empires come, they have their day, then they depart the stage. The Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, the Chinese Empires, British, Russian, American Empires, great movements come and have their day. And then great men and women come and have their day. And then they go the way of all flesh. You see, there in human history, until is written. For as Psalm 2 tells us, history is waiting until all Jesus' enemies have been made his footstool. That's what makes sense of the world we live in. The creation itself shouts, until... The history that we are part of in our short time here on earth is telling the same story. It's until, until. It's seen in every one of us, in every human being. For no sooner are we aware of life, of its potential, of its promise, of its hope, than we're mocked by its transience. Where do the years go? Tragedies invade. Our days fly past. As the famous hymn puts it, swift to an end flows out life's little day. Our life is a little day, as Henry Light, the hymn writer, put it. But deep inside us we say, there must be more to life than this. Is this all there is? No, we know instinctively this is the day of until. Because we can't think of our own demise even beyond the grave. So even the unbeliever, even the pagan faced with the grave has to say, well, they're in a better place. It's, it's wishful thinking. It's hope against hope. But it's instinctive. 
Because until is written in our soul as human beings. What's the time, Lord? It's the time of until. There it is in creation. There it is in history. There it is in every single one of us in our soul. But there's a second little word. It's the until he. He. Who is he? Well, he is the king of glory. He's the lord of the years. He's the potentate of time. He's the great I am. He's the eternal, no beginning, no end, Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that the whole of the Old Testament points to. He is the one who came that first Christmas time to inaugurate a new beginning. We live in the year 2023, Anno Domini, A.D., the year of our Lord. He, until he, he's the son of Psalm 2, to whom the Lord God Almighty has given the nations as his inheritance. The king of glory, before whom we will all day, all one day, fall down in worship and adoration. He is, as the Bible says, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Who in the face of all the comings and goings of cultures and trends and philosophies and religions bestrides history. It's all about him. It's his story. He won't be ignored. We might feel the tide is out for the gospel in our country. He won't be ignored. Heaven and earth will pass away, said Jesus, but my words will never pass away. So as our schools workers go into the schools tomorrow and this week, they do so in the confidence that his word will not pass away. What does he mean by that? It means that he has the final word on everything. He has the final word on everything. So we go with confidence, whether we're going into the schools, into our workplaces, into our homes, into our communities. This gospel, once given, once delivered, will not change. Will be the answer in every age, in every generation, in every ethnic group around the world. The time we live in is the time of until he he is the one we must all reckon with. He is the Christ. He's the Son of God. He's the focal point of all human history. He's the second Adam, as the Bible puts it, who to the rescue came to gather a people for himself. He will build his church. He will have a new humanity. He will have a new family gathered from all nations and all people groups. He will do it. Those of a certain age here will remember Magnus Magnuson and Mastermind. His famous catchphrase, he'd begin the, the question time, you know, get two minutes to answer the questions, and then towards the end of the two minutes, the buzzer would go. And he said, it's okay. I've started, so I'll finish. I've started, so I'll finish. Friends, God has started. 
He will finish. Nothing can thwart him. There is no power in heaven and earth, below the earth, that can prevent him. It's the time of he, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the day of salvation. What's the third little word? Until he comes. Until he comes. This is the climax. This is the destination to which the whole of human history is traveling. Now people may scoff at the very thought of Jesus coming back. They did in the first century. And here we are 21 centuries later. All the more reason to scoff at it. But you see, if you're God you count time in a very different way. If you're eternal, as the Bible says, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. A thousand years is a very long time to us. It's ten or more lifetimes. But to God, it's a drop in the ocean. A drop in the ocean. And the Bible says the reason he hasn't come back yet is because he's patient. God is patient, says the Apostle Peter, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of Jesus as Saviour. It's the sole reason why God doesn't wrap the world up right now. There's surely cause enough to wrap it up, isn't there? All those terrible scenes in Palestine, the wars in Ukraine, the constant wars that are going on in so many different parts of the world, the suffering, the illnesses. Yes, yeah, a great world, but it's a fallen world. Lord, why don't you wrap it up? Because I'm not willing that any should perish. There's a worse fate than dying, and that is dying without Christ. 2,000 years ago, God put a marker down in history. We read about it in Acts chapter 17, verse 31. It says God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. That's what we long for, isn't it? Justice. He'll do it by the man he's appointed. And he's given proof of that to everyone by raising him from the dead. 2,000 years ago, the most cataclysmic, important event in history by which God gave notice to all generations from there on in, of the inevitability and the certainty of his return. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ to judge the world. We call the event the resurrection. That's why Christians always invite people to look at the evidence for the resurrection. Because on it, the Christian faith and gospel stands and falls. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, we are the most pitiable of people. We've just wasted the last hour deluding ourselves. But Christ has been raised from the dead, says the scriptures. And he's coming again. The specific time and details and circumstances surrounding his return are not the most important thing. The important thing is it will happen. He will return. He is coming. And he's coming to bring justice and judgment. And we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of our lives. 
And that final court of justice will give sense to all the ravages of sin and evil that human beings have perpetuated upon one another. There will be a reckoning. The Bible says we'll all stand condemned, speechless, defenseless, without excuse. And the only hope is, before that day comes, that we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to bear our punishment, to take away our sin, to reconcile us to God, to bring, him, bring us into his family. We will either know the returning Jesus as our saviour or our judge. God is not willing that any should perish. That's why for 35 years he's allowed the school's work, the ministry into the schools. Because he's going to ensure that not only that teacher that we heard about, but none and any number of children and young people will first hear the good news of Jesus Christ through the lips of these ordinary men and women, these workers, the volunteers, the mums and dads, the uncles that go into the schools and teach the gospel. And eternity is going to be full of surprises, not least for those people. What's the time? It's the time of until he comes. Praise God that over 35 years, so many youngsters have taken their first steps towards Christ as a result of Insights Ministry. Be encouraged that some of those are today serving God in other countries and other continents that came to Christ from hearing the gospel through the ministry of insight. Isn't that wonderful? What's the time? It's the best of times. It's the day of grace. It's the day of salvation. So Tim, Susie, Karen, Howell, Claire, go on preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel as appropriate into the schools that you're allowed access into, in season and out of season. For he will have a harvest. He will have his son glorified. What's the time? It's the time of until he comes let's pray before we sing shall we heavenly father we thank you that you've given this glorious gospel this incomparable message this unique message of salvation we're amazed that you entrust it to people like us because we're so acutely aware of our weakness our fearfulness our total inability to change the heart and mind of one child or adult but God, you're gracious, you're merciful, and you have determined to have a people for yourself. And you have promised that wherever this gospel is taken, it will bear fruit. So may our dear workers be encouraged even this week. Send them tokens of your love and goodness, we pray. May all the churches that are involved in this be renewed in their passion to make Christ known in their localities amongst their local schools. And may we all... Father, live our brief lives here on earth in the knowledge that we're living it in the context of until he comes.
comes. What a day that will be. Father, we, we long for that day, but at the same time we say, Lord, not yet. Because there are men and women, boys and girls, those in our families, those in our friendship circles, those in our communities who don't yet know you. Thank you for your patience. Honor Christ amongst us. And even as we meet again next year, should you spare us, may we have stories to tell of your grace and goodness. Amen.